Blog Talk Radio. Pollinator with Clem Burke, our guest today, on drums, and the song was Doomer Destiny. And today is just such a great show because we love Blondie, both myself and Spencer Drake. And uh, we want to welcome you to a special edition on the Red Velvet Media Network. If you would like to listen to this show, it's available um, on iTunes afterwards, and also the chat room is open. And if you'd like to call in, the number is 347-677-1036. With that, I'm going to bring Clem Burke into the studio as well as my co-host, Spencer Drake. And we are going to kick this off, and we are going to just talk about all the really amazing stuff. Hey, Clem. Hey, Spencer. You guys hey, Howie. Hey, guys. 
Rock hey, and roll. Holly, how you doing? Hey. We're so yeah. excited to have you here. What a powerful Thank song you. that is off your new new the newest release. And uh you know, for everyone that doesn't know, um this is the newest release pollinator. It's so cool. And you guys are currently on tour right now, aren't you? Or are you taking a little break well, right now? We just had a little break. Um, you know, we um we're just over in the UK uh doing a thing that we uh, had to postpone when the uh, tragedy happened in Manchester. And uh, I think in June, we, we did a thing for Amazon the other day. And then we also uh, mm-hmm. played in Hyde Park for uh, BBC Radio 2. And we're about to uh, play uh, in New Jersey and on Long Island coming up, I think, in the middle of October. And then we begin a U.K. tour um, in early November, which we're really looking forward to and mostly sold out. And, uh, you know, the UK has always been a uh, second home to Blondie and, uh, you know, a lot of our early success came out of the UK and, you know, we were all very much influenced by the music that came out of the, you know, the UK, whether it be the Beatles, Rolling Stones, Kinks, Yardbirds, who, or of course, but David Bowie, Roxy music, things like that. And, you know, just the whole sort of scene that, uh, you know, the thriving music scene that's always seemed to be going on in the UK, which uh, it still is, as a matter of fact. And uh, we're really excited about going back to the UK. We spent a lot of time over there this year. And, uh, yeah, that, that song, uh, Doom and Destiny, it's, it's a pretty much a pretty uh, rocking song that opens up the uh, Pollinator album. And uh, when we were doing the basic track, I kind of thought about it sounding kind of, you know, really a ro- really great rock and roll song. And so we called up our friend Joan Jett, and she sings on that uh, along with Debbie. And yeah. uh, we were happy oh, wow. to get, get Joan on there. Yeah, Joan's uh, mm-hmm. been an, a friend of ours forever. And, uh, you know, uh, it just wanted that we kind of like really came together as a band on Pollinator. And it was really important for us to all be in the studio together and make an album that really showed the, the chemistry and the spontaneity of, of Blondie, you know, today. Um, so, uh, you know, we were, you know, in New York city and Soho at a studio called the magic shop. And, uh, you know, we recorded the, the album there and, uh, you know, we all did the basic tracks together and it was great to be back in, uh, at home and recording and recording in a sort of, uh, very much in a sort of organic way where we were all kind of like, uh, creating together and, uh, just kind of thriving on the, uh, the vibe. And, uh, of course, uh, David Bowie had been in the studio there in seclusion for a couple of years, uh, mm. recording his last two albums, uh, the next day mm-hmm. in black star. And, and interestingly enough, you know, when we went in, we were really all in, uh, in awe of the fact that David had been in there and you could really sense his presence in the studio. It was, uh, oh, wow. it was, it was, uh, mm-hmm. about a, about a month before Christmas, 2015. And, wow. you know, we began mm-hmm. the record. And, uh, of course, when we took the break is when David died. So, uh, then we went back into the studio and, uh, you know, it was, it was profound to say the least. And, uh, you know, his kind of spirit informs a lot of the pollinator record. And of course the studio, oh, wow. the, ma- the, ma- the, cool. the magic shop studio is no longer there either mm-hmm. due to the economics of, uh, you know, New York city. So, uh, wow. yeah, it was pretty, uh, bittersweet, uh, you know, it was very, uh, I, so, d- I, I want to, Hey, uh, Clem, I want to ask you something. You know, I designed six albums for Joan Jett and the Blackheart, so it's a big oh, thing okay. with me. 
that Joan was on the album. But I want to ask you something about the album. The production of this album is really intriguing. The sound is much different than an earlier Blonde album. Uh, album. You know what I mean. The sound on the, is incredible, the production of this album, the sound of the voices. and the, You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, John Cognelson, the producer, uh, worked hand-in-hand with us and uh, – is a younger guy, has a pretty good track record of working with bands like Sigur Ross and uh, he produced St. Francis and uh, oh. there's a, a band called Future Islands that's, uh, that's out now that he produced and uh, yeah, he's very sussed, you know, and uh, he was able to kind of become the extra member of the band, you know, he's a musician obviously himself and uh, he was a big, big help from the beginning to end of the record and uh, we're planning on uh, doing another record with John in the near future as well. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, you know, it, cool. Great. Yeah, you know, it kind of mixes the old sound of Blondie with, with sort of modern technology. Yeah, we, you know, we, exactly. The last, the last couple of records were went a little too overboard on the programming and the computers, and this one uh, kind of reached the kind of happy medium, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. we're all really, really super happy with the record. And you know, it went Great. in at number four in the state in uh, the UK. It went in at wow. four, and it's, it's top thirty in America. But you know the. Uh, you know, the state of the music business. I mean, something like Parallel Lines, you know, that stayed on the charts for like 52 weeks before it got to the top 10. And, exactly. uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, yeah. it's a different world today. But um, the bottom line for the Pollinator album is we all really, really are very proud of it. And we really consider it a big success for us. And it was great collaborating with all the different people that were involved in the record. So we want more people to hear mm-hmm. it, you know. So, uh, oh, yeah, that's absolutely. What really kind of and and you know, I got to bring in something. I'm involved with a Hold vinyl on, event, uh, the Alex Awards, mm-hmm. which uh, Jack White's involved with with us, and uh, we have the Pollinator album. So you know, entered in the vinyl packaging part of it. And uh, oh, great. Shep- Shepard Ferry, who we had in one of our books that we did early in his life, is the great packager of that album. And I want to tell you his graphic work on the marketing of this album is incredible and holly and i have we got t-shirts by the way clem we got our pollinated oh great t-shirts. yeah oh great now Shepard, oh, i get, uh, I get compliments on it all the time yeah definitely yeah i mean i mean shepherd's been you know kind of in the rag trade for quite some time now with his obey line of clothing as well but uh he's mm-hmm. a he's a great guy I, i've done a couple of events for him at his studio in la we did uh one where he collaborated with a photographer called Dennis Morris on a, a por- bunch of portraits of Sid Vicious. And I, uh, for the opening, uh, I did a gig there along with, with Billy Idol and Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols. We played a bunch of punk rock songs. And uh, no, I mean, uh, yeah, the packaging of the album is great. I mean, we all feel like, uh, you know, we really, really, not to get too corporate, but it's kind of like we rebranded the band, you know. We yeah. kind of really made people aware. Oh, definitely. You know, because a lot of times mm-hmm. people don't realize, you know, we've been on the road and recording nonstop since the late 90s now. We actually, Debbie and Chris and I have been together longer this time than the first time around. So it's it's really pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of successful tours around the world and in, in the years. But it's weird in the, in the States. I don't know if there's any other band who's had four number ones and still kind of sees seems to be a mm. cult band. It kind of doesn't right. really compute. Kind of very paradoxical. Definitely. But, in some ways, we feel like we're a cult band, but, you know, four number one singles over the years, uh, you know, you can't really call that a, that's a pretty big cult. Yeah, I just got, mm-hmm. by the way, Clem, I just got interviewed in the new Cream uh, magazine doc film coming out with uh, Lenny Kay's involved with that. I was interviewed, and when they interviewed me, I said, you know, Blondie was 
very big with Cream. They were one of the groups that Cream really pushed with Lou Reed before any other publication. I remember that. Um, you know, Clem, you were involved well, with that in the early days. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, people like to publish pictures of Debbie. I mean, obviously, her great beauty is what our, what got her foot in the door. You know, the music yeah. oh, yeah. kind of the legacy of the band. You know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's funny, you know, you look at a picture of us from like 1976 and for some reason it looks really extremely modern and you're going back and maybe look at a picture of uh, Bon Jovi from 1980 and it looks like so like out of date and so unfa- uh, unfashionable, you know, I mean, uh, I think the whole New York music scene had a big, big influence on pop culture uh, in modern day times. I also think much more so than the, the UK punk scene. I don't really see that many people running around with mohawks and pins in their cheeks right. but I see plenty of people in, in Ray-Bans and dressed in black and uh, acting like beatniks you know which is kind of what the whole scene at CBGB was about it was kind of like you know it was kind of like people like a bunch of old beatniks hanging out you know like people like Patti Smith and, and Chris Stein you know they're really beatniks you know I, I saw mm-hmm. you I, by the way tell us about your life group I saw you at Bowery Electric with uh, at, with Wayne Kramer playing and Walter Lurie oh, you're now playing at uh, November 30th, right in Brooklyn. You're going to do your thing. Tell us about length. Well, it's 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 LAMF. It means like a motherfucker, and it's uh, <laughs> you know kind of like it's yeah. kind of like something that somebody in West West Side Story might have been saying. You know, actually the other part of that is DDK, dressed to kill, like a motherfucker dressed to kill, and uh, you know there's an album by Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers called LAMF. And uh, Walter Lohr is a, a sole surviving member. And uh, last year we did it with, uh, as you said, Wayne Kramer from the MC5 and Tommy Stinson from The Replacements, along with Walter and myself. And uh, Jesse Mallon, a uh, great singer-songwriter in, uh, yeah, out yeah. of New York, uh, kind of put it together. And uh, we're doing two nights at Bowery Electric on the Bowery, which is already sold out. We're playing in Williamsburg on the 30th, and then we're flying to L.A. and playing in L.A. the same night at the Echoplex on the 1st. And, uh, yeah, um, you know, the New York Dolls, you know, major influence on myself, the drummer Jerry Nolan, uh, who played along with Johnny Thunders in the group that they formed after the demise of the New York Dolls, the Heartbreakers. So, um, yeah, this time around we have uh, my my buddy forever, Glenn Matlock from Sex Pistols. Right. And, uh, and, uh, Mike Ness from uh, Social Distortion is going to front the thing, and uh, you know we're going to have some special guests. And uh, you know, it really is an album that really had a major impact on myself, along with the rest of the members of the band, and of course Glenn on the uh, Sex Sex Pistols tour in the UK. The Heartbreakers one of the were one of the support bands, and uh, it's hard to believe so much time has passed, and uh, you know people, Johnny Thunders and Jerry Nolan are gone. Yeah. Along with uh, along with uh, Arthur Kane from the New York Dolls as well, uh, there was a trip, uh, there was a New York Dolls night last night I think at Bowery Electric that I was asked to come to, but I I couldn't make it. I I, I, was, there I was there last oh, yeah. night. I was there last night. Yeah, it was incredible. Oh, it was really incredible. Steve Conti with uh, yeah. you know Kenny Aronson and uh, blah blah blah. Yeah, you great know what I'm players. saying? Yeah. yeah, Steve's great. I I just. Uh, just recorded a track with him that is going to be his new single. Uh, He's we great. Did at, at Steve, Steve Van Zandt's studio uh, about a month ago with uh, Andy York from the Smiths also on bass. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I like to keep playing, and so uh, I get asked to do a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, as long as I want to get a gig, I could always play. If, if I want to get paid, that, that becomes a little bit different. So 
but it's just great to go out and play. You know, it's, it's, I'm in a position where I don't really need to worry about paying the phone bill. So it's kind of cool, you know, that I can well, just go I, out I saw, and play. You know, and, I saw you with Zach Starkey also in New York. Oh, I mean, right. Yeah, that was a big thing with Zach. And um, Zach, I ended up from that uh, uh, gig, I, I actually ended up interviewing for Punk Globe magazine. But you were, I met you. At uh, when Zach Starkey was showcasing with Jeremy and the Harlequins, we just had Jeremy on, you know, the other night. Oh, we okay. had Jeremy Shuri on, but um, which is a great band. But uh, Zach Starkey was un- interesting that night, Clem, as you remember, because he played lead guitar, which I thought was yeah, really Zach, incredible. Yeah, Zach's a great guitar player as well as a fantastic drummer. I've known Zach since he was about maybe 15 years old. Uh, we went to. Ringo's house one time out in Ascot, which is the house that he bought from uh, John, wow. the Imagine House. Oh, yeah. The white room. And we went and, uh-huh. went and uh, set up, set up uh, Zach had the last, uh, Keith Moon's last drum set that you see in the uh, Kids Are Right movie, the white kit with the mm-hmm. with the brass fittings. Uh, Zach had that drum kit. So uh, we went out from uh, London. We went out to Ascot, and we set the drums up, and we played them and fooled around. He's been a mate ever since and uh, he's the perfect drummer to be in the who and uh yeah it's kind of amazing it's oh, amazing yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know it's amazing how you see the, the you know the kids of the rock stars in the 60s all like you know how many great uh musicians there are that's come danny harrison and people like that so um yeah zach's great uh that was a fun night that was a fun night we did that gig and uh and my friend glenn matlock was on bass that night as well so yeah, and you played you That's played great. with Zach at a, a, at New York. Hello? I saw you also at a showcase at a, in New oh, York yeah. where you played drums with Zach and uh, you know Shush Lagoose and uh, Matlock. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh, what's yeah, that was hot. With, and, uh, them. Yeah, that that was cool. Yeah, I heard. I remember we talking about that. Yeah, we you had know, it on the um, show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. You know, I yeah, had, I had a couple questions that I wanted to ask. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I wanted, yeah. Oh no, no, no. I I love what you're telling. Uh, what I wanted to do was I wanted to say about Pollinator, and I'm, I'm I want to switch up a little bit. There's an intention yep. behind the album as well, which is really cool that you guys are involved with a couple um, different um, people yeah, charities for the bees. the bees. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that was kind of that so was kind of an ancillary uh, thing, you know, that kind of an offshoot yeah. of the whole idea of Pollinator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I saw I you at the bring... Beacon, Clem. Hello? Holly brought up a good oh. point. I, I saw you at the Beacon, and you have back uh, backdrop visuals um, of the of the bee and visualizations right. going on with when you're playing. It's really an incredible show, by the way, the live show. Yeah, yeah, we have some great new content, and we just worked on some more new content for the for the show for the UK. But yeah, it seems that the bees are kind of become kind of trendy and. Uh, Absolutely. To us, uh, yeah, yeah, as yeah. well, uh, in, in Manchester, you know, I never really knew that the uh, the worker bee, as they call it, was the symbol of the the working class in Manchester. And uh, mm-hmm. that's really uh, kind of come to the forefront now after that. Uh, the Are you there? Did we lose them? Oh, wow. Hello? Can, yeah, can you hear me? Hold oh, on. yeah, we're there. Clint. Oh, I yeah, can okay, hear good. you. You're, oh, you're there. You. Yes, I <laughs> yeah. can hear him. I was looking at GQ and there was a Gucci suit with uh, with bees all over it as well. So the bees are just kind of seem to be, uh, like I was saying, just kind of in the uh, sort of, uh, 
the whole sort of modern day uh, experience at the moment, you know, it's just mm-hmm. kind of reached some sort of zygus, I guess, you know. And uh, yeah, oh, we're I'm trying to absolutely. Uh, saying to keep the bees yeah. going, yeah. Save yeah. the bees. Out here, Save you know, I know out here in out here in California, it's really huge, and I know that a lot of people have really resonated with that whole thing that you're doing. So, I think that's really important. You know, I wanted yeah. to um, ask you a couple things really quickly. Was about your getting into drumming and, and a little bit about how you got into Blondie because that story is kind of interesting. So yep. do you mind, do you have enough time to tell us a little bit about how you um, you answered a newspaper ad and stuff? I think that's just so funny. And about your own work that you're doing with Empty Heart and stuff like that that you're going on tour sure. with. So I thought we could talk a little bit about that, but I did want to thank Tommy really quick while we're on the air for setting this interview up today. Um, oh, yeah, Manzi. Thank you so great. much, Tommy. He's the best. Yeah. He's the best, Yeah, he's a so good guy. I wanted to Things thank have been him. Uh, running really smoothly with his uh, association with Blondie. He's yeah, a great he's guy. Great. He's cool. He's great. Yeah, so but anyway, yeah, yeah I mean, tell us? the Village yeah. Voice, you know, I mean, before, obviously, before the Internet, before uh, Craigslist, things like that, um, you know, the, mm-hmm. the enemy and Melody Maker in the U.K., they'd always have a Musicians Wanted column in the back and, uh, the Village Voice also had a, uh, you know, sadly, the Village Voice uh, the last uh, issue just came out, I think, last week uh, with both Bob Dylan on the cover, the last uh, print issue. I think it's still going to be digital. Yeah. But, um, I mean, there's a famous ad that existed in the back of the Village Voice that Bruce Springsteen had, had uh, entered and uh, Max Weinberg answered uh, looking for mm-hmm. a drummer. No junior, no junior Ginger Bakers uh, wanted, <laughs> which is kind of uh-huh. funny, you know. Uh-huh. But, uh but yeah, you know, uh, I had a band called Sweet Revenge, and we were hanging out and playing at this club called Club 82 on uh, 82 East mm-hmm. 4th Street in Manhattan. And uh, Debbie and Chris were in a band called the Stilettos. So that's really where we first met. And it was kind of like the sort of the end of the sort of New York glam rock scene. You know, uh, the New York Dolls would play their bands like, uh, uh, I can't think, I'm trying to think of the names of all the bands that have, have been forgotten. But anyway, um, we were all playing there. I had a band called Sweet Revenge. As they said, our big song was a song called Fuck the World. This kind of prior to punk rock. But, you know, the, mm-hmm. 82, the, 82, the 82 was in a basement on East Sports Street. And once a, once a week on Wednesday, they would have rock bands play. And uh, the rest of the time, it was kind of like a dance club. So, um, you know, I, we were all on the music scene uh, together. And then when the ad was appeared in the Village Voice, I already had known it. It was their ad. And, uh, you know, I went and, and met up with them uh, at the rehearsal place on West 30th Street, and we really just had uh-huh. a chat, you know, like I was saying, you know, about music, about, you know, the things that were going on in New York in the time were very isolated, you know, to the rest of the world, and uh, it's only really a handful of people that kind of were really, you know, were into, like, things like the Velvet Underground or, you know, the New York Dolls or, or sort of girl groups, yeah. 60s music, and you know, mm-hmm. Nina Rota, so big, uh, Chris was a big fan of, you know, soundtrack music. And, and I can empathize with everything that they were saying in that regard. And, uh, you know, obviously I was taken by Debbie's great sort of charisma. I mean, I've said this time and time again, uh, you know, I was in search of the person that I was going to have a band with that was going to have the power of someone like a David Bowie or, or a Mark Ballin or a Jim Morrison. You know, I was really in search of that special person. And when I met Debbie, I felt like I found that person, you know, it just happened wow. to be a woman. So wow. uh, that was really mm-hmm. my kind of, uh, my kind of, uh, 
dream, you know, to, to be in a band with someone who was that oh, yeah. creatively talented and, and had that much, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, charisma and energy. And so, uh, you know, it was a long process to get to where we got in the end. But, um, you know, that was really the beginning of it. Uh, you know, my first gigs with them at CCTV, the, the bass player, mm-hmm. Fred Smith, at the time quit to join the band television who are actually uh, playing out in L.A., I think, tonight. And I got my friend mm-hmm. Gary Valentine in. And uh, Gary Valentine, he was a co-writer of the first single, Ex Offender. And uh, he, Gary was a poet. He knew a couple of chords on the guitar, but he wasn't really a bass player. But I think he, uh, for his audition, he kind of read some poetry. And he, and he wound up oh, really? uh, living with Debbie and Chris. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it was very... <laughs> It was very kind uh-huh. of it was kind of an anomaly of what was going on in, in New York at the time. It really didn't have have much of a far reach at the time. You know, it was all kind of very uh, you know it was an enigma in a way. You know, and New York was uh, a strange place. There was a lot of people that didn't really uh, get what was going on musically there, and and the underlying influences, whether it be Warhol or like you were saying the Velvets or you know things like that, uh, weren't really mainstream. You know, at all. So. Uh, it was only a handful of people that created that whole scene. And I always say, like, CBGB was like a, like a musician's workshop. You know, obviously, it's mm-hmm. before the Internet and things like that. So, uh, you know, we were able to make a lot of mistakes in public. And I think that was important for us. And I, people today, you know, everything is so instant and things go viral. And, you know, the, the comedians can't do the workshop their material. You know, someone's recording it. And, you know, it's, you know like, actors are always workshopping uh you know, a play or something like that. And, and you can make that a comparison to what CBGB was like for musicians. So uh, we were lucky at that time, you know, to be around by, you know, surrounded by the people, other people that were there, you know, like the Ramones and Johnny Thunders and various people, Patti Smith, obviously, and, you know, people like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that's no, how it all no, came together. You, you know, also what's really great, is you also played, you filled in two times for the Ramones when they played I Was Reading. I did, yeah. Yeah. I wow. And you, and you have Sean, a name, too. Is it Elvis Ramone or something? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, was, I was Elvis Ramone because I, I, I'd, been playing, I'd, been, I'd been playing with the, the band Eurythmics, Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart, and uh, uh-huh. I had my hair combed back. And uh, so I, I kind of broke oh, the mold great. as far as, I kind of broke the mold as far as, uh, you know, Johnny, Joey, Dee Dee, and uh, I was Elvis, and uh, they were big fans of Elvis anyway, and it just kind of seemed apropos. And uh, oh, yeah, I've, been asked to, I've been asked to join the Ramones about three or four times in their career. I mean, I remember being really? with Tommy Ramone in the, in, in the U.K., sure. Uh, Tommy Ramone in the U.K. Wow. on their first tour, and he was telling me he was getting ready to leave. Because, you know, there was a lot of acrimony in the, in the Ramones. It's well documented if you ever saw that film, End of the Century, for instance. Um, hey, 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 mm-hmm. Clem, Clem, I designed End of the Century and um, okay. Road to Ruin album covers for the Ramones. Oh, and uh, yeah. I could tell you about all that stuff, too, that you're talking about. There's a lot of stuff going oh, yeah. on with I the Ramones, it. especially on the Phil I Spector pop- album. You know, the Phil Spector yeah, I, album. Yeah. It's cool. it, I just wish Dee yep. had survived. He's he's the only yeah. one that didn't die of natural causes, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's great that Marky that Marky Ramon's able to go out and play. Marky's a friend and he's a great drummer. He's a great and, guy. Uh, great guy. Yeah, but I'm and you played with, with Ramones, him a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I when I did this thing recently uh, at, at the Roxy at this club Django in, in New York City, Marky was DJing. I did a I did a party for Tommy Hilfiger for. Uh, 
Nick Rock's movie. Uh, Tommy's oh, nice. brother has a band. Tommy's brother has a mm-hmm. band, and I was playing drums with with them. You know, I, I get asked to do a lot of fun things. You know, I mean, like with Blondie, we've done some amazing gigs. Like, like we went to like Florence and opened the Gucci Museum a few years ago, and we went to uh, oh, wow. Paris. We we did the uh, the Louis Vuitton store was opening a whole big showroom, and we we played the party wow. for that. And, uh, we're about to do a, a secret uh, private gig. I can't say for who. Uh, right before the UK tour, we're going to do out in Edinburgh. Oh, nice! It's going to be pretty amazing, though. Yeah, that's nice. famous, uh, very famous writers having a party that we're going to play at. So that's going to be fun. Oh, but, you, you uh, actually, you yeah. actually played at two things I was at. One was also it was the opening of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in New York, I believe. And also, you played at the Brooklyn Museum on that tour of oh, yeah. uh, Who Shot Rock and Roll, which we were, uh, yeah. which Judith and I were in that show, and that was a great oh, yeah. gig. Yeah, those are great yeah, gigs. Yeah, that was fun. Brooklyn Museum is a cool place. I mean, it's amazing what Brooklyn's become, you know, with all Williamsburg now, Bushwick, and uh, yeah, yeah. yeah we're gonna, like you were saying, the LAMF thing's going to be uh, be out on November 30th at uh, the Music Hall of Williamsburg. So. Uh, yeah, the Empty Hearts we played at the the Knitting Factory in Williamsburg not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, actually, we're going to be doing a gig in uh, L.A. with the Empty Hearts. Uh, uh, Cheap Tricker doing a yeah, Christmas charity gig. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. Wow, that's cool. Tell yeah. us about it. Yeah, like Holly said. We'll uh, talk about the Empty Hearts a little more. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah, to yeah. Hear about that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, well, you know, it's a band of band of uh, buddies of mine that uh, we've kind of toyed with the idea of playing some music together and it's, it's a guy called Wally Palmer the singer from the Romantics and uh, Elliot Easton who's the guitarist lead guitarist oh, yeah, no, the cars, ama- yeah. amazing guitarist amazing guitarist man yeah and uh, mm-hmm. a guy called Andy Babuke who is uh, a bass player he had a band called Chesterfield Kings which was uh, one of little Stephen Van Zandt's favorite bands when he started the whole sort of underground underground garage thing uh, Chesterfield Kings were the quintessential underground garage rock band and Andy's a, a writer. He's he's on a couple of coffee table books. One, uh, Beatles gear. I don't know if you've seen that. And the other one, he's also done for the mm-hmm. Rolling Stones gear. They're really uh, oh, yeah, informative. Yeah. Uh, and he's also a guitar authenticator. He's the one that authenticated the uh, Bob Dylan's guitar. That was a bit of a controversy about the, the Stratocaster that was played at. Uh, I remember Newport that. Folk Festival. I remember hearing Andy that was the one yeah, that authenticated wow. it. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the That's hot. it's really... Um, you know, it's it's a really great rock and roll band. I mean, uh, the roots of the band lie in, you know, the classic uh, rock and roll stars like Chuck Berry and Little Richard and Eddie Cochran. And, you know, take that uh, to the yeah, 60s yeah. when they were all influencing the Beatles and the Stones and the Who and the Kinks and all of that. And you kind of make that to modern times and you kind of get what the Empty Hearts are about. And, uh, you know, we were really honored to have uh, Ian McLagan from the faces play uh, keyboards mm. on the album and oh, uh, Ian is Ian yeah. Mac is, yeah, is no longer with us and uh, the famous guy met him great yeah mm-hmm. well Mac was amazing amazing musician and uh, you know the small faces is one of our oh. favorite bands and uh, yeah so we made this album that uh, Ed Stacey who we mentioned co-produced with us and uh, kind of became the fifth member of the band and uh we're in the process of working on new music, and with this thing on uh, December 2nd in L.A. is uh, uh, something that I think Tom Peterson from Cheap Trick, the bass player, is uh, oh, nice. running. Yeah, he's and, great. Uh, oh, Cheap great. Trick are going to play, and uh, mm-hmm. the Empty Hearts are going to play, and I think Cheap Trick are going to have a whole handful of special guests 
as wow. well, and that's uh, December second. Uh, the day after yeah, I, think I do it the, is the uh, second. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the day after I do the LAMF gig at uh, Equiplex in LA. So uh, also I got a couple other things coming up. There's a T Rex tribute that's going to be at City Winery in, uh, in New York City. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's around the middle of October. Okay. And, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on all the time, you know. It's uh, it's just uh, it's really good, good to, be to busy, huh? collaborate with people. It's good. Yeah. It's well, good to it's be great. Busy. It's great to play music, you know. It's great to play music, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, with with the success of Blondie, it kind of enabled everyone to go off and do like a lot of other things. And uh, and it's interesting when we all come back together after with the other experiences, you know, whether mm-hmm. me playing with people like Bob Dylan or Chris going off and publishing his photography books or Debbie doing a film. Mm-hmm. It's fresh, you know, for the band when we all come back together. But this year we've been really pretty much nonstop Blondie biz because uh, <laughs> getting back to Pollinator, we want as many people as possible to hear the album and uh, find out what, uh, you know, because the, the band, you know, the energy and the chemistry and the spontaneity of the, the band, you know, the new guys we have in the band, they're not really even new anymore. Matt, Tommy, and Lee, you know, been with us a while. And it's a very good version of, of Blondie, you know. And uh, we really are happy that uh, those guys were able to contribute uh, in full to the, uh, the Pollinator album as well. We had a really great time making it. And I think, um, you know, it kind of comes across that way when people listen to it. The thing that you brought up that I brought up, I think, before and I think is mm-hmm. really important is that I call it the new Blondie. It's like a whole new package of Blondie with a sound, more incredible marketing. It's just, and that's, a lot of groups can't do that, Clem. You know that. A lot of groups stay the same. They go on the same road. They do the same thing. But this is a totally different impact album to me, you know? Well, you know, that was kind of always our manifesto to kind of keep changing uh, subtly. I'm, we always look to, you know, people like Bowie or the Beatles when you never really knew what to expect from them next. And, when you see, uh, you know, things like Rapture or hear things like Rapture or Part of mm-hmm. Glass or... Oh, yeah. Right. Right aside, they're, 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 little, they're, little, they're a little unexpected at the time. I mean, the classic mm-hmm. quote from the Chrysalis Records at the time when we, when we were releasing the Auto-American album was that there were no hit, hit singles on it or there were no singles. And, there, and the album mm-hmm. had Rapture and Tide Aside, both massive number one wow. hits around the world. Yeah. But, That's um, amazing. But now with, uh, I remember with, that. With company... The record company we're with now, BMG, uh, we signed out of the U.K. A guy called Porter Marshall signed us, uh, kind of really knows what's mm-hmm. going on. Uh, yeah, kind of cool. like a old-school kind of record record man, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. very supportive of us. And like you mentioned, the marketing and the whole thing was laid out in advance that we knew what we were going to be able to do with this record. And as I Incredible. said, not to, not to get too corporate, but it was kind of like a rebranding for the band and yeah. kind of a, like, you know, kind of, kind of up the awareness good, of, of Blondie. No, no, it's it great. Was good, I mean, the record's great. I yeah, can I can talk about the record all day. It's great. Yeah, I it's think it's record. one. I think it, it's in its own class by itself. Um, you know, yeah. by Definitely. itself, exactly yep. from all the other albums. But it has a whole. You know, I really love the music and the and just the whole energy that goes with the tour that mm-hmm. I've seen from all the images that Chris has posted and Barbara's posted sure. and just yeah. everything. It's just amazing. Well, you know, know, it's interesting. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. No, It's your show. It's interesting. I think we're probably the the first generation of bands where actually Mm -hmm. our entire band life is out there on the Internet. 
you know, so the archival mm-hmm. stuff is like almost infinite. That's like amazing stuff that comes up. And, uh, you know, that in itself has been a great marketing tool for the band because the fact that the band is still out there playing, it enables kind of like the younger fans to really kind of connect the dots and see what the band was about back in the day. As I mentioned, like our image, it just doesn't really seem dated. It's kind of funny, you know, it's just kind of, I mean, there's some real early shots of Chris and I with, with, with pretty long hair and things like that. But in general, <laughs> we were kind of very, very kind of minimal and kind of streamlined. And that was kind of what the look of the band was about. And, you know, with, mm-hmm. with Debbie kind of offsetting the guys with all the dark-haired guys, with Debbie the blonde and her, her great, you know, beauty and charisma and just the whole fashion sense of the band. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of came together. But, you know, now taking it into modern times, I think with Pollinator, we were able to really kind of raise awareness again about the band. But the Internet is a great tool for uh, people can, for people to be able to connect Absolutely. with the archival stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, listen, let me ask you a question. What drummers were you into in your Hold early on, life? Who did, who did you follow? Okay. Spencer. Holly want to ask me something where Spencer wants to ask what what's going on? No, Holly? no, 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 no. That's what that's what I'm trying to say, Spencer. Let him finish what he's saying. Go ahead. What were you saying? Oh, no, no, I I can go with that. I can go with that. Well, you know Okay, cool. I mean, you know, I mean the Beatles is what, you know, started it off for me. I was too young for El although I am Elvis Ramon, I was too young to remember Elvis Presley being on T V and turning the world upside down. But the next next thing after that obviously was the Beatles. And, uh, you know, but they were a band of four stars. It wasn't like the drummer was in the background. I mean, they all stood out. Ringo right. Starr was a major yeah. influence, and he's an amazing drummer. But, right. you know, going back, uh, you know, at the time, Hal Blaine and Earl Palmer, who were the two most uh, eminent uh, session drummers in, in L.A., they probably played on uh-huh. 95% of the hits that came out of L.A. With a, of course, Hal was with Phil Spector, with the Wall of Sound, with the Wrecking Crew. Uh, my friend Earl Palmer, who... Rest his soul, uh, you know, played on the Little Richard records, on the Fats Domino records, on, uh, uh, you know, uh, wow. on Eddie Cochran. And, and you know, yeah. the two of them were very influential on me, but unbeknownst to me because they weren't credited at the time. But it turns mm-hmm. out, you know, those are the drummers that influenced Ringo and, and Charlie Watts and people like that. Right. So, uh, and then, you know, of course, there's Keith, Keith Moon, and, and uh, Jerry Nolan from the New York Dolls was a major influence on me. I mean, just... It was unbelievable to see the New York Dolls in, in the light of day. Like if you would see like David yeah. Jefferson walking down the street, it was like unfathomable that these people actually existed in real life because they seemed so much larger than life to, to me and to most mm-hmm. of the people of the New York scene, you know. I mean, the Dolls and, you know, David were really the ones that informed the whole. And, you know, the Velvet Underground had already been, you know, had gone. And, you know, but uh, it all kind of starts, the whole New York to the Velvets into the New York Dolls and, you know, Jerry Nolan, uh, great drummer. I think there's a book that's just about to come out about Jerry's life. Really? Uh, someone wow. sent me. Yeah. I heard um, about that. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. He was an interesting guy. I think he took, like, drum lessons from uh, the great jazz drummer, Gene Krupa, for instance. And, uh, wow. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting, you know, like uh, a lot of ups and downs. It kind of kind of stayed a course is what, kind of what we did in the end. And uh, there's not that many people that were able to do that, as we were talking about before. So uh, now we just get awards all the time, you know, and people set, tell us how great we are. So it's kind of fun. <laughs> uh, listen, i got to tell you something. That's Ed Stacey, great. I'm on the phone with Ed, and he says to oh, me, great. Spence, you know, Clem is as good as Keith Moon. And I thought about that, and I said, you know, you're right, Ed. I said, 
because I got to tell you, I've seen the best in my life. I've seen key, I've worked with really great, you know, rock stars and album covers, but right. I've seen great drummers. I've seen Keith Moon. I've said uh, saw Bonzo Bonham play. You are sure. the, one of the best. I got to tell you, from my heart, Clem, well, you are one you. of the best I've ever seen. And thanks to Ed for saying that. You know, I always say Keith was an influence, but more than anything else, I kind of think Keith Moon showed me what not to do in the end. You know, it's tragic yeah. what happened to him. It's yeah. absolutely tragic. You know, you know, I got to work oh, yeah, with Keith Townsend uh, in the '80s, and. Uh, you know, I was really taken aback that Pete talked about Keith quite a bit, and uh, it was a really great experience for me to be in the studio with, with Townsend back when, and uh, oh. you know, along with a few other people like that that I've been lucky enough to work with. But uh, but thank you for saying that. And Ed's, uh, True. you know, Ed's great. I was trying to get Ed involved in some of the future Blondie stuff because he is a really really great engineer producer. He's oh my God, yeah. I know he's been uh, oh, remixing and uh, remastering the Ramones albums, right? Yeah, yeah, he was on, uh, Holly and I had him on already, on our show, by the way, and uh, oh, right. a really great guy, and he goes back to that Ramones thing that I was involved with, the Ramones. but, you know, it's like, he is one of the best, right? He's been through the industry, yeah. he's well-respected, he has great credentials, um, yeah, he's he one of those great guys, right, like you are, uh, iconic in well, his own I, way, so, so, right? Yeah, well, we have a we phone stuck call around long enough, would you I like guess. to take the call? I'm okay. sorry, sure. we have a but caller, I would you like who to... It is. I okay. Well, sure, let's see who it is. Hold on no, a second. I can take a call. Okay, hold on a, a minute, Spencer. You'll have to stop for yep. a minute. Yep. Well, hold, hold on, on here. Two one zero. You're on the air. Who's this? Hey, it's Tommy Price. Oh, Tommy. Hey, Tommy. Hey. How you doing, Tommy? Hey, hey man. How are you? Tommy, how are you? Spencer, Good. you're how yelling you into the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey. Good, yeah, good Tommy. To talk to you, it's man. nice to have you on the show. Hey, Tommy, Thanks. you came Tommy. in at a good time because we were talking about great drummers, and here you are calling in. <laughs> well, yeah, well, Tommy. Tommy. We have great time here. So. Right. Yeah, there's definitely a brotherhood <laughs> yeah. amongst drummers, for sure. <laughs> so, hey, Clem, Tommy, what's going doing? on? Tommy. I'm good. Yeah, I'm Tommy, good. tell you know? me, what's going on? <laughs> ah, ah, just, uh, I just got an invite. I just saw an email from Spencer saying, um, you know, that, that Clem was going to well, be on the show, so... Yeah. I had to say hello. I just wanted to say hello to Clem. Yeah. Hey, we want to give a plug while he's Tommy's on. He's got a new album coming out, right, Tommy? You got a new album coming out, right? I sure do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's your new band? Yeah. Um well it's not really a band. It's just a record that um Johnny Rayo and I did. Um oh, cool. Yeah, uh, we wrote a bunch of songs, and we've been recording it for the past uh, couple of years, and we finally got it finished. And uh, so it's um, it's being packaged uh, and put together, and um, yeah, it'll be out in a couple of weeks. Cool. What's it going to be called? Um, Is it just it's two just names under or my name? It's just Tommy oh, Price. Great. Down. It's it's called well, the record's called Downtown Phantom. Mm. But, um, okay, you're from yeah. in the band, right? You play guitar, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, like yeah. we were so talking I, about so, Zach. So, Clem, if you're around, I need a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man. Well, that's possible. It's possible. Right now, you never know. I know, oh, I know. Let me I'm know. Just, send me an, send I, me an I, email, I will, man. You never, you never know, man. I loved what when you, you got, did when... with, um, with, with, um, with Zach. Like that was the last oh, time yeah, I we, saw we, you with Zach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tommy and I saw you with Zach. Tommy and I saw you with Zach. 
Yeah, yeah, that was a great yeah, no, night. It, you brought out no, all the great to... drummers were there that night, and uh, oh yeah, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a bunch well, of good drummers. Well, you know, he's yeah. he's a guitar player. I would think similar to you that can actually play in time. Yeah, yeah exactly. it makes a difference. <laughs> 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 Clem, are you on you the know, road right now? Are you touring? Uh, well, actually, just uh, got back from you know, from the UK, and uh, we're getting ready to. Uh, we're playing in. Uh, Long Island and in, uh, in uh, New Jersey coming up on the uh, 13th and 14th of October, which is kind of one of the reasons why I'm on the show. If you're around, I don't know if you get to uh, New Jersey much, but we're playing in New Brunswick, and it's going to be, uh, you know, it's good. But then we're going over to, uh, we're starting a U.K. tour coming up. That's oh, a big cool. thing now. Yeah, did we you have guys do any new recording out, already? Did you, got, did you have any new uh, uh, stuff in the studio that you did? Well, yeah. Well, we have the album Pollinator that came out in oh, okay. uh, in May, so that's what okay. we're still, uh, you know, we're trying to well, get people to know about the album. Yeah, right. and uh, you know, we've been working on new stuff, but it's all about this album Pollinator right now, and uh, okay. that's what's uh, we're just still kind of promoting that, and you know, we we did the uh, we did some gigs in England with Phil Collins of all people that were really successful, and uh, yeah. oh, how you know, great! Wow. Yeah, he's got his he got his has his 16 year old son playing drums with him. It's pretty amazing. Really? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, he, he just he just sits down and sings. Phil, you know, he kind of <laughs> uses a cane and all that. So it's weird because Phil is, you know, I mean, he's about maybe three or four months older than me, but you know, I don't know. With all that money, you would think he'd be a little more in shape. I don't. I guess you know, money doesn't buy health. Health. health no, no, health, no, guess, no, you know. no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Phil was great, you know, but his son is it's killer because Lee Sklar, the famous Lee Sklar on bass, and, it, you know, his son's killing it, 16 years old, doing all that wow. Phil Collins drumming. That's amazing. It's got to be pretty yeah. pretty moving for Phil, I would think, too. Pretty amazing. Oh, that's amazing. So he doesn't yeah. use, um, uh, what was the dude that, that he used to use, the black dude on, on drums? Oh, yeah, Chester um, Thompson. Ch- Chester yeah, Thompson. yeah, yeah. Chester, yeah, right? no. he was yeah. amazing that drummer. Oh yeah. yeah, that guy's yeah, that guy's beyond. Yeah. You know, he's just amazing. incredible. Yeah, yeah. But um, so this kid is 16 years old that he's using. He's yeah, wow, it's son. incredible. Yeah, <laughs> wow. he's using the drum. He's using the drums, you know, without the bottom heads, the whole bit. Yeah, the, the single-headed uh, <clears throat> drums. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we did. Uh, we played in high. We were special guests. With Phil in uh, Hyde Park, there's about seventy-five thousand people. Oh wow! So, uh, nice. so I mean, I mean, what do Phil Collins and Blondie have in common? Uh, basically, the answer is hit records. So, oh, you know, that's a good, a great a good balance, lineup. You know? That's yeah. a great lineup. Two favorite yeah, bands, have, definitely. And, uh, the one in Hyde Park also had Casey and the Sunshine Band on the show too. So it's pretty pretty. <laughs> oh funny. wow! I predict this is my prediction for 2018. I hate to say it, but. Disco, disco music is going to make a oh, massive comeback. Wow, you really, you really think so? Disco music, oh, absolutely, hundred really? percent. But not, wow. not programmed, wow. not programmed music. Remember the great disco music, like like back uh-huh. in the seventies, like Shame, like Donna Luz, like Summers great funky, and all that. Yeah, great funky players, like really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, as well, you know, chic bands like that. I, you know, yeah. the stuff, stuff cool in the game. Music, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I really predict that you're going to see a lot of lot of disco bands. And a wow. lot of Why do you right. feel that? Why? I think what people, makes you I think, think that? Wanna, I think people want to dance, and I think, uh, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. you know, like, there's a lot of, 
Tommy knows this as well. There's a lot of dance grooves in rock and roll nowadays. Straight quarter oh, notes sure. on the bass drum, you know, yeah. like that whole kind yeah. of. It's basically that that dance groove. I mean, that's going back to the early '50s records. That's those right. guys were playing those kind of grooves, you know. That's right. That's and right. Uh, yeah. I just think, uh, you know, I just really predict the uh, disco is just going to come back in a big way because people need kind of glamour too, you know, and it's disco yeah. kind of glamorous in a way. That's, that's true. my prediction yeah. anyway. What, what do you, That's let me amazing. Ask you a question, uh, Clem. What do you think about electronic oh. sound music? You know, like uh, you know, EDM like Chris Franz and Tina Weymouth just did a forty-five uh, for a magazine called Electronic Sound, and they had a whole series on electronic sound from really incredible groups that are famous. What do you think about electronic? I can barely hear that, that, that area. What do you think about that area, Clem, of electronic sound? Hello. Well, I was always a big. We were big fans of craft work, you know. And uh, yeah. a kind of Heart of Glass was influenced by Kraftwerk. You know, I, I got to work with the famous producer, Connie Plank, when I was playing with Eurythmics. And, uh, you know, he was working with people like Carl Heinz Stockhausen and, and people like that. And Holger Zukai, who had just passed from Cannes. Uh, that sort of electronic music I like. EDM sort of just completely computerized. As a drummer, I don't really get it. You know, that yeah, kind of put yeah. me out of the job. You know what I mean? Yeah. I kind right. of stay away from that. Yep. But, uh, you know, I love Kraftwerk. I love Suicide, the band Suicide. You know, they didn't have a drummer either. But That's right. You know, it all depends. But the, the straight sort of thumping EDM kind of ecstasy music is not my thing. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd, rather listen to John Lee, I'd rather listen to John Lee Hooker or Frank Sinatra. Yeah. What can I say? Mm, for sure. I mean, that's just you know, hey, hey, listen. You know, I, I, I photographed John Lee Hooker second. for an album cover. Wait a minute. We can't oh, talk. We can't. <laughs> everybody's talking over each other. Yeah, I thought I you guys were say, you know. <laughs> we are professionals. We Spencer are. It's just that sometimes it's the sound the pickup. Today. Yeah, sometimes okay, it's sound. Time, much coffee today. Okay. <laughs> You've had way too much uh, coffee today, Spencer. No, something. no, no. Sometimes the sound slot changes, Kali. Oh, We've had that before. Okay. It, it has to. No, yeah. no. It's not about that. I. I it's oh, it's not about okay. That. <laughs> All right. I wanted to ask a quick question. Um, you know, you brought up people from the past and I know that you worked with uh people like Nancy Sinatra. Um right. you know, so I wanted to I wanted to bring that up because that's kind of iconic that you worked with these people. You've not just played in Blondie and Empty Hearts and worked with other people. Right. You've played with some other people. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, I think when, uh, you know, I get asked to work with various other people, uh, it's not really like I'm a session drummer. It's kind of like they kind of like what I do. So it kind of starts there. I mean, even like mm-hmm. I'm honored that Tommy Tommy mentioned, you know, that he might, you know, he'd be interested in me working with him. It would be great if time allowed, you know. Tommy's great. I knew that he was playing drums. But uh, Nancy, it's funny because um, – you know, having grown up in the, you know, greater New York area myself, uh, you know, Nancy was born in Jersey City. And, uh, you know, she's, she's, she's like the girl next door. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, to, to get to know her was just amazing for, for me. And uh, uh, Don Randy, her, her, her music director, is a great friend of mine. And he was the kid in the wrecking crew back in the day. You know, like with Leon oh, really? Russell and... But yeah, Don was mm-hmm. a couple of years younger, and uh, you know he plays on. He also plays on Pet Sounds album, so his credentials are immaculate. And so I got to know Don uh, uh, really well. He has a little club in LA called the Baked Potato, a little jazz club that's like kind of a, oh, a '70s yeah, time yeah, yeah. capsule. Yeah, fabulous mm-hmm. place. You know, really great place. 
And, uh, you know, Nancy, um, you know, she, uh, you know, she was just really uh, a great person, really, very nice, really, really respectful of her band and of the musicians. We went to, uh, uh, to, uh, to Budapest of all places. Uh, this, uh, guy hired for a gig. Well, this guy was a big Sinatra fan. So he did, he was, he owned a trucking company. And when the wall came down, and when commerce was, was flowing, freely, free, flowing freely between the East and the West, uh, he built this giant uh, warehouse, trucking warehouse, this guy. I can't remember the name of his company, but he was going to have to inaugurate it. He had a, a, a Sinatra night before the warehouse became a warehouse. So he set up a giant party. So Nancy and her band uh, went out to, to Budapest along with Frank Jr. and his orchestra. We spent a week in Budapest rehearsing and hanging out, police wow. escorts everywhere. There. And then we did the uh, this gig uh, in the warehouse in, in Budapest. It was amazing. And then, of course, with Nancy, also we got to play at the uh, Little Steven Underground Garage Festival, which uh, was on Randall oh, Island about uh, yeah. over five years ago now. With, with everyone from Pete Best, <clears throat> from you know the Beatles' first drummer, to uh, the Chocolate Watch Band, to the Romantics, to... Uh, Iggy Pop to the Strokes and the New York Dolls and uh, I was there playing with Nancy and uh, you know I got to hang out at the side of the stage most of the time I was hanging out with Bruce Bruce came on his boat you know mm. he pulled his boat up you know wow. the boss pulled up pulled his boat up on <laughs> Randall's Island was hanging out that's but, funny you know, you know it was just, it was just like it was probably one of the best days of my life it was like just wow. crazy, oh wow great day. <laughs> and, and the weird yeah, thing was, saw... there was go ahead Hey, oh, can yeah, I, no, Clem, I, 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 I want to ask you a question. Part. What about, uh, you played with Earl oh. Slick, right? Yeah, yeah, we had that band. And he's a, great, uh, he's a great musician. Tell us about Earl oh, Slick yeah. playing with him. <laughs> you mean Frank Oh, Earl. <laughs> yeah, right. Frank from Staten Island, yeah. Yeah, I, I grew uh, up with Earl? Frank Metaloni. <laughs> oh, wow. So Earl is, uh, you know, he, Earl's a survivor and a, a great musician. I mean, it's. It's unbelievable when you think that he played on, you know, the John Lennon album starting over. That's pretty incredible in itself. And of course, you know, all the time, all the while he played with David, with Bowie. Uh, yeah. Earl, Earl, Earl called me up because there's a clothing designer called, designer called Keenan Dusty, who was also a singer. And Earl was, uh, Earl was collaborating with him. And uh, Earl uh, called myself up and, and Glenn Matlock. And we had a little band called Slinky Vagabond for a while. Wow. And uh, I think Earl's out on the road now doing... Uh, one of those Bowie tribute things, along with, uh, well, it's not what Bernard Fowler was doing it with him, but Bernard's probably on tour with the Stones now. Yeah, Bernard Slick is, is great. He's, o- he's a survivor. He's one of those guys that always, yeah. um, he, he always keeps working, he keeps busy. But he, but yeah, great player. It, you know, but, but in front of everything, he's an incredible guitar player. He's, uh, wow. yeah. he's really wow. one of the best guitar players. Wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, his playing on the Bowie album, Station to Station, you know, oh, yeah. really experimental. It's unbelievable. Like, like wow. Yeah. 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 I mean, a lot of people don't really single out that album a lot. That's one of my favorite albums. It's it Bowie is great. Station it's a great album. Yeah, well, Roy Bitten as well from the E Street Band on keyboards on that sure. record. Right. Oh, Roy yeah. Bitten. Oh, yeah. That's Roy right. Bitten's amazing writer, right? I mean, Roy <laughs> Bitten is amazing. Yeah, well, he's classically yeah, trained genius, probably. Mm-hmm. Great musician, yeah. Yeah, no, Earl. You know, Earl's a good guy. Hi, Earl, if you're out there. That's, yeah, that's yeah, man. so cool. <laughs> you know, hey, I wanted to circle. <laughs> I wanted to circle back to Pollinator really quick. I wanted to ask you a sure. quick question. In the tour, so yeah, we far, only played one song but, from the album so far. I know. I know. 
Well, we're, we're going to be yeah, go we're going to be ending the show with um, a long time, which is a really okay, great, great song. Yeah, it's um, a great and song. What I wanted what I wanted to ask you about your tour with Pollinator so far is, you know, with all the places that you've played, what are some of the um, you know uh, reactions from the audience when you guys are playing? Because that's really interesting. What kind of uh, people and experiences yeah, you, have you had along the way? Well, the, the reactions to the new songs have been have been really great, and they really kind of mm-hmm. they really blend into the set really seamlessly. Uh, it was strange. We we played this place called the Eden Project, uh, which is an mm-hmm. amazing place on, on the southwest coast of, of England, uh, around by the Cornwall Cornwalls. You know that area, really really beautiful uh-huh. area, and uh, yep. a sort of uh, Stonehenge is out that way as well. And we played this place called the Eden Project, which is kind of a, a ecological. Uh, brain trust uh, where they were actually uh, doing experiments uh, without saving the bees, for instance, as well. So mm-hmm. it was just one of those things that oh, we needed a great. warm-up gig. And yeah, so great. this place called it's the Eden Project. It's just like it really is like the Garden of Eden. Just beautiful, beautiful, you know, foliage and, and really is. great people. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so uh, when we when we kind of set out to do that to play there, like obviously they were getting the whole concept of what we were doing about save the bees and all of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, the response to the album has been great. I mean, the, the songs has been really good. And, uh, you know, that long-time song, it, it has kind of elements of uh, the old Blondie and the new Blondie. Some people compare it to Heart of Glass a little bit. It was written by this guy, Dave ha- Dev, Dev Hines, who has a band called Blood Orange mm-hmm. that is really, really a great, exciting new uh, – he's probably not even that new. He's kind of new to me, but uh, I know – He's a really, really great uh, artist, and uh, Debbie did a collaboration with him, and uh, so he's uh, partly responsible for the longtime song. And uh, yeah, it's been great. I mean, you know, we did a lot of lot of TV around the world. We did we were in Berlin, in Hamburg, and in London, and you know, in Paris, and uh, playing the new material. And the response has been great. Like I said, we're all oh, that's really fantastic. Proud of the record, so that's, that's the main, great. That's the that's main great. thing. Yeah. 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 It's all good. I saw, so, I saw yeah, a lot so of people's reactions. Yeah, I saw a lot of the reaction along the way because of all the pictures from backstage that Barbara was posting sure. and and Chris was yeah. posting and yep. along the yep. way. But you know, um, I wanted to ask you about that mural that Shepherd Ferry just recently did of, sure. of uh, right. on in New York. Um, right. Are you yeah. there for that? On the Bowery. I wasn't uh-huh. there, but uh, yeah, he did. Still picks the uh, cover of Parallel Lines, and there's a giant. Uh, image of Debbie and uh, along some kind of like uh, sort of ephemeral kind of CBGB type stuff. So, yeah, that was great. I mm-hmm. think that, that the people that own that building, I think they're going to be changing that out every couple of months because before that, when there was a Joey Ramon. So, oh, uh, wow. no, that's great. I mean, I, it, you know, a lot of great stuff has been uh, happening and, co- you know, correlating with the, uh, you know, the release of Pollinator. So, uh, yeah, it just keeps going. You know, we want more people to hear the record, so... That's good news, Absolutely. Yeah, it's great. Well, well, what we're going to do, I know that you've spent um, an hour with us today, and I know originally we were talking about 30 minutes. No, No, it's been great. I wanted to tell you. No, I wanted to say thank you so much for spending, you know, this time with us. And I wanted to thank Tommy so much for calling in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Great to hear from you, Tommy. Hey Tommy. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> hey, Tom. I love you guys. Yeah. Love Tommy, both of you. Tommy, 
Tommy's amazing. And again, his new project's coming out, and Tommy uh, is part of the Black Arts and uh, um, has this little project that he's doing on his own. And we are so happy that you were able to call in for the show. Um, Yeah. Well, um, I just want to say hello to Clem and um, wish him the best. And uh, um, just tell you. Tell you, Clem, I love you and thinking of you. And um, thanks, man. And That's really nice of you to say that. Yeah. With all these yeah. people and listening. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tommy. Oh, now it's no. Come out. And, come out. Yeah. And, uh, I'm going to hang uh, up right now, you guys. So I'm going to listen okay, to Tom. this. Uh, I want to hear this I love last you, Tommy. song. But um, I love you guys, and um, and thanks for having me on the show. Hey, listen, Tommy, okay, say hello man. to Steph from us. Say hello to I Steph. I will. Okay. I certainly yep. will. Okay, yeah. man. All right, All right feel better, All right. Tommy. All right, All right. Say hello to Debbie okay, and Chris for me. I will, I will. Okay, will do. Yep. Okay, man. Bye-bye. Bye. So, um, that so was what surprise. I wanted to say, yeah, well, I guess I emailed him and asked him to call him. That's great. I know he's close to you, man. We toured together mm-hmm. when uh, I had a band called, which we didn't hit on, talk about it, but I had a band called Checkered Pass, right, at the, uh, when uh-huh. Blondie uh, right. kind of took a hiatus with the, uh, couple of people and we did a when Tommy was playing with Billy Idol uh, we uh, did a bunch of shows opening for them back in the in the 80s so wow. a long time cool. friend and a, he's a great great musician yeah so that was amazing amazing yeah yep. great you you were very instrumental Clem in um, keeping Blondie together when one of the band members left correct oh me oh well yeah legend has it if you read uh, the Debbie's book from back when yeah I mean, yep. I had that teenage That's... teenage energy, you know. I mean, like I said, once I uh, once I found uh, Debbie, you know, I, I want, realized that she was the person I really wanted to uh, to work with. You know, I, I knew mm-hmm. that she had what it took what it took to get to where we got. Wow. I mean, I, that was you know I knew that. So uh, yeah. And yeah, is good. is good. that when you played with Checkered Pass when you took that little break there? Yeah, that's when we had Checkered Pass band. We did one album for EMI, and that was. Uh, with uh, actually with uh, Steve Jones, uh, a friend of mine from the Pistols, the guitarist. Oh yeah, another uh, great one. Nigel Harrison, oh, bass player from Blondie. Wow, and, uh, that great. Guy called guy called Michael DeBar, who has a show on uh, on uh, Sirius Radio oh, yeah, Michael. Underground Garage. Michael and, uh, Michael is in New York, and we're very good friends with uh, Lex McNeil. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, Lex. Yeah, I'm, yeah, Lex is my friend. And Julian. Yeah, me too. Yeah, big nice, time. Nice people. Big and then time. another member with uh, another member of Checker Pass was a guy called Tony Sales who was uh, in uh, Iggy's Iggy's touring band when we toured with Iggy and David. And, uh, Tony uh, was in Tin Machine with, with Bowie as well. So uh, yeah, we made one record, and uh, you know it was a missed opportunity. Some of the people were still kind of up to no good, and it kind of fell apart. But uh, you know it was a learning curve. But um, you know uh, that record's well, kind of fun. Glad the Checker Pass record. We're cool. Well, We're listen, I've got to mention this uh, also, Clem and Holly, that uh, Please Kill Me, Lex McNeil had a great article interview on Clem. If anybody wants to see it on Clem, Burke. Uh, Lex yeah. had a good interview oh, great. with you, Clem. I saw it. Yeah, it was, uh, let's say Amy Hobbin uh, interviewed me. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, was, uh, she does a lot of writing for uh, Please Kill Me. Amy's really right. cool. And uh, she's got a really great handle on her writing and uh, a lot of great things, I think, that come for Amy. In the yeah. near future as well. So, but yeah, that's uh, she kind of runs uh, the blog for them more or less. And uh, yeah, the Please Kimley blog's always coming up with cool stuff. Oh, amazing! You know? so, amazing uh, stuff. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, so, uh, yeah, all good. All good. Can I go well, now? you know what I want to. Can I go now? Oh, 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 can I go now? Of course. Listen, we didn't want to keep you on. We were. There were I can so only many talk about myself that, for know. so long, you know? Uh, <laughs> Thanks well, a lot, really Clem. I love you, man. We, it's really difficult to telling say you that how great I am. We appreciate it. Well, we yeah. think, we, we know just from experience, but I wanted to say to everyone that's beeping, that as a car backing up, obviously. Oh, my God. Um, oh, yeah. Hold on. I wanted to say to everyone listening that today we had Clem Burke and we were talking about Pollinator and we had Tommy call in, Tommy from Blackheart. Tommy and Price. Also his, yeah. Tommy Price. And, uh, and then Spencer Drake, myself, Holly Steffi. And we wanted to say that uh, this show will be available on iTunes afterwards if you missed it from the beginning. And uh, you can listen to it as a podcast. And we want to thank you so much for listening. And uh, I'm going to end it with Long Time. I, can and, I just uh, say one thing? Can I say one thing? Absolutely. Yes. One of last course. thing. Yeah. Everyone, yes. stop. Everyone, stop hating each other. Peace and love. All right. Stop hating each other. Stop right. hating oh, each other. Big time. You big know, time. It's bullshit. And I'm gonna. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it's Friday, guys. Please don't drink and drive, because I usually try to yeah. end my show like that. And uh, right. well, be yeah, careful. Sure. And yeah, be safe, yeah, absolutely. Out there, you know, it's a dangerous world right now. Yep. I know. Okay, peace and love. Yep. Peace and love. Peace and love. All right, take care. And with that, we're going right. to end bye with bye a long time. Have a great See day. You guys. Bye, guys. Thanks for having me on. Bye-bye. Bye.